pardon me, Mr. Perfect. I guess I forgot that you never ever make a mistake. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, everybody, and more specifically, my 50 drinking partner, Pep, on the other one. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Uh, it's not Labatt 50. It's not? Today's show, on this end anyway, is sponsored by Harvey and Vern's Cream Soda. Uh, I've got nothing catchy to say about it other than it's delicious. They also make a root beer, but I prefer cream soda. I don't know. Do you, What do you prefer? Is there booze in it? No. God, no. Just cream soda. Okay. Well, don't say God, no. I mean, you can get root beer <laughs> and cream soda that have booze in it. <laughs> oh, don't say God, no. I mean, geez, you know. <laughs> uh, cream soda. You know what? Cream soda, the pink cream soda reminds me of my grandmother, my, my father's oh. mother. Uh, that's the only place we ever used to have it, and I remember as a kid, we, you know, it just it was something we always wanted. We went over, and that uh, yeah. that reminds me of her. So um, right I, I have a, you know, I like it. I don't drink it very often. It really is one of those like special Christmas things that kind of comes out. But other than that, uh, I try and stay away from soft drinks. I, it sounds like I'm a health nut or something. I'm not because I'll drink a blizzard, a Dairy Queen before I drink a pop. You know what I mean? Like that's where I'll take my sugar intake and I get my sugar intake. But uh, try and stay away from that. Good on you, pal. Uh, I am I probably should. But uh, you know, I find in the winter of all of all the months of all the uh, seasons, I find winters really where I regress and my diet goes to shit. Um, where I'm a little less careful with how much pop I drink and uh, maybe just more comfort foods because I'm home a little bit more. I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know what? That's why I exercise and that's why I uh, stay active so I can enjoy the occasional, uh, you know, pop. Well, it's good for you because I uh, saw my chiropractor on Monday, which was good. I got adjusted so my back feels a bit better and he thinks I should see him biweekly now. But he was checking my posture and whatever and he's like, uh, you put a little weight on? I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when I'm motionless for four days, still in the holiday eating mode. Yeah, I'm just stuffing my face, doing yeah. nothing. It's going to happen, bud. Fix we my back. We went backs. to Beermas. Yeah, we went to okay. Beermas. That's it. We ate five bowls of M&Ms or whatever they were. And oh, delicious. my. No, it's those honey roasted peanuts from Costco. They they oh, sell them in like a vat. And it's just, it's it's so addicting. Anyway, yeah, that's what we put that on. In the essence of the show, let's move on. So um, a new segment from uh, basically we always make mistakes and uh, there's always something afterwards after I post the the episode that somebody catches us on um, or we catch it on ourselves. So we're going to have a new uh, segment for uh, mistakes and omissions from the week before. Hold on. Oh, well, pardon me, Mr. Perfect. I guess I forgot that you never, ever make a mistake. So that's our, uh, so the mistakes from episode 41, um, I referred to (laughs) just, just so our listeners know, I oftentimes I'm not privy to the, to hearing the soundbite before Brock actually plays it. He he'll just tell me, Hey, I, I, uh, I created a new soundbite. I'm going to play it on the show today. I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. (laughs) And so you're hearing it for the first time, just like I am. And, uh, I can't, 
pick out that mo- where that's from. That's, I, that's uh, Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber. Oh, <laughs> I think that was right after he uh, found out that he traded the van straight up for like the motorcycle, a little like moped right. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We and we do often make mistakes, and sometimes we don't catch it. But uh, you know, that's why we have uh, people like Kurt Fleming to listen and uh, catch us on all our mistakes. And, yeah, that's uh, so, or yeah, anybody, anybody catch mistakes, you call us out on it. We appreciate it. We don't have somebody listening as we're doing it, so we can't give it to you at the end. Anyway, so what do we screw up on? So uh, two things, and really, you didn't screw up. This guy did. I referred to the tight end for Seattle as Darby when I apologized to Will Disley. He's the tight end for Seattle who got hurt. Um, and then at uh, about six minutes and ten seconds, for those who are going to go back and listen to the episode. Uh, I give you the air horn because you refer to a boy band lyric, and I, I think it's Backstreet Boys at the time. I literally, it's, and I talk to people after who've listened to the show, and they're like, how did you forget what it was? Because it was literally 15 seconds before that, and I totally drew a blank, and we kept moving on. But it wasn't the Backstreet Boys. You referred to the Raptors and their injuries and stuff. You you said they were hanging tough, which is a song from New Kids on the Block. So... That was my mistake. It was not Backstreet Boys. It was in reference to New Kids on the Block, Hanging Tough. And I think wow, I gave you what? a voicemail and I sang it to you when I was in the car. But yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Uh, and I did hear. I did. I, I understand that mistake. I think we both caught it shortly after we went off the air. But uh, but good on you for catching the other one. Wow. Okay. I like this segment. It's what's this called? It's called uh, omissions. Yeah, mistakes and omissions. I guess mistakes. Okay. Where we'll we screwed up? Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. Another segment we're going to, which we've done before. This is Headlines with Brock and Pep. <laughs> What's on the docket today, pal? All right. There's so much stuff. And, uh, again, we're not going to go into it. You got something you want to say or, or a feeling on anything that I bring up, by all means, talk about it. Um, there's a few things here where I know will be addressed in more specific episodes. But um, we got a couple of things to go with. First one, um, unfortunately, the uh, passing of Rocky Johnson today, the <coughs> father of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, died today at 75 years old, an old wrestling guy. Look, I'm a big, big, big fan of The Rock. I always have been. It takes a lot of talent to get on the microphone and do what he does. And towards the latter part of his wrestling career, it really wasn't about the wrestling and more about the microphone skills. And, you know, once or twice a year, the WWE have him back to talk. And he really doesn't do any wrestling anymore. He just talks and he gets the, the fans going. And he's a, if I know anything about him, uh, just from what I've read and what I've seen, he's a big family man. So, um condolences out to the to the Johnson family or the Maivia family. I don't know exactly what they go by. I know he's Ro- Rocky Maivia, um, but the father is uh, Dwayne Johnson. So, the father's Rocky um, Johnson, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, condolences to the to the Johnson family. And, you know, he's he's been so entertaining. I love watching him on wrestling. I'm a big wrestling fan, as you know. So, um, it's it, sad day. But, uh, you know, knowing that family, they'll bend you together and get through it. Yeah, The Rocks, I mean, he's everywhere. He's yeah. my, he's one of my kids' favorites. He's, you know, like my wife has a crush on him. I have a man crush on him. 
him and Tim, him and Tim, Tim Tebow are my two man crushes that my daughter. I'll throw Carrie Price about. in that one. Well, you won't throw him in this threesome, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving Chris, on. Moving on. Uh, the WNBA uh, had a collective right. bargaining agreement. Um, and actually, again, it was very quick. I didn't go into all the details, but um, the agreement now has like top salaries of the WNBA. Can't talk today. It's about $500,000 US, and they also have maternity leave pay for their players as well. And I just thought that that was news and noteworthy because of the status of women's sports, especially um, in a sport like basketball that's competing with the NBA to a point. Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, like, can this women's league succeed? And so just based on numbers and, and, and reading it really quickly, stands out to me that the league is probably doing okay. So that's really, really encouraging from a, um, a female sports perspective. So uh, I'm not quite sure what the uh, specifics are with the deal. Uh, I, I, I think they're really looking to just um, move on from the old regime. They hired, I believe they hired a uh, league president for the first time, not just a commissioner, but someone to help the league commissioner. They're in collaboration with the NBA for 20 years. They lost on average 12 million a season and really? league, league attendance was down about a thousand players, a thousand players, a thousand fans, a game uh, per city. So this was just in 20, these numbers are 2018, 2017. So I don't know what's happened in the last two years. I do know this. They, they don't compete with the NBA directly. They're, they play right. in the summer. Yep. And uh, I love watching the WNBA. The basketball is good. They're fundamentally sound. They run offenses. They, it's a lot like watching college, uh, college basketball in the sense of like the offenses are run uh, t- with detail. It's not just screen and roll. It's not just one-on-one. It's offense. Uh, movement, uh, screens, um, cuts, it, it's fun offense and it's good basketball. And these gals, I mean, you know, you talk about athleticism, some of these gals can dunk in games. So I'm happy that the NBA is, uh, the WNBA is moving forward with a, a new collective bargaining agreement. Something's been in place. Maybe there's sponsorship money. I don't know. According to my stats, the league hasn't done very well in 22 years of existence. So I got to read a little bit deeper. Not a whole lot was released uh, today in terms of no. um, press release information with this particular agreement. So I guess we'll just see what, what, where it goes next year. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe attendance was up last year. They haven't released the numbers for 2019. So who knows? But congratulations to the to their those players and a little bit of job security, right? Oh, you got it. And especially, I don't know, I think the maternity thing was, was really big. I think a lot of, I would assume, I guess, a lot of players, if you're in that their decision to start a family is very much affected by the fact like, Hey, I'm without a job or I can't start a family until I'm done playing. Sure. So I think that that's a, that's a big step. Um, there are a lot of females in the NBA currently, as we speak, coaches and referees, uh, they're starting to, there might be, I think in the next five years, there'll be a, a female head coach in the NBA and it might be in San Antonio. Anyway. All right. You heard it here first. Uh, next uh, note, real quickly, is just uh, the retirement of a couple of NFL guys. Uh, speci- Antonio Gates is one that retired. That's not overly shocking, but uh, uh, Kukli, the linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, is has announced his retirement, and he is much younger than Antonio Gates and very much in his 
prime, still one of the top linebackers in the league, and uh, has chosen to retire. I know there's a lot of uh, history of concussions uh, with him and probably some other ailments, and I think it's just, uh, again, something that we'll look into, maybe doing a, a, a special on that in terms of the transition of um, players in today's day and age being able to and understand the importance of long-term health to leave the game early before it yeah. the game forces them out because financially they should be okay because the contracts are getting bigger and bigger. If they manage their money okay, they should be fine. And then they also know that there is life after football and I need to be around for that. And I think that's just this is just another guy who's following suit, even though, you know, I from a health standpoint, I would have thought he retired maybe even a couple of years ago because he's been really banged up. But it was one one season he had four concussions. Yeah. Um what for two two documented and he suspects he had two other ones so uh he, the offensive equivalent in the modern day i guess might be rob gronkowski yeah you know, nine years in the nfl been his prime but no one went to call it a call it a career so uh smart guys both good good with their money and anyway uh happy trails to him he's he may be a good coach down the road i don't know if he wants to stick around and do what the the romos and the aikmans have done and we'll see yeah. I haven't actually never heard Luke Luke Keekley talk, so I don't you know Except I don't know if he's articulate his, uh, or if I, he's got to be a smart man to play inside linebacker for the Panthers. So yeah, he ran that defense, um, spoke very well at his retirement uh, video that he had put out there. But anyway, yeah, time will tell. See if he wants to get back into coaching or get back get into coaching. Uh, next one on the docket, uh, this came out was uh, the Las Vegas Knights firing their head coach Gallant, being four points out of first place in their division, the Pacific Division. They fire him and they hire none other than his nemesis, Peter DeBoer. Well, you know, Jerry Gallant uh, took, they've only been, this is only their third year, I believe. In their first year of existence, they made it to the Stanley Cup. They should have won around last year. And uh, this year, they're what? Like you said, three points out of first? Yeah, four out of first in the Pacific. Uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense. The only thing I could think of is uh, management uh, making a change for the sake of change. And maybe they felt like the locker room has gotten stale. They've spent a ton of money. They've made some very, very uh, aggressive trades, I would say. You know, Max Pacioretty, that Tatar trade is looking really nice for Montreal. Mm. Uh, Pat, Pacioretty is known for getting 30, 30 to 35 goals a year, but, you know, half of them being empty netters. And certainly that was the case in Montreal for two consecutive seasons. So they've made some aggressive trades. Maybe they're just not seeing a return on their investments like you know stoner uh, i don't know how he's doing really i don't get to watch a lot of vegas games but i mean they spent some money they brought in some guys and uh maybe they're maybe the ownership just feels like they're underachieving i don't know peter DeBoer is a very very good coach uh himself i think if mm -hmm. i'm not mistaken he was the head coach of the sharks yeah um during that during their conference semis or conference finals but also coached the devils to the stanley cup final so he has a history of success and we'll see where it goes uh, and uh, staying with hockey, the uh, three main Canadian teams from this area, obviously uh, the Sens, they're in a fight for the Lafreniere sweepstakes, I believe. Um, he's the uh, thought on to be the number one pick next year. Anyway, the Sens are third last in the whole league. Uh, they're fighting the Anaheim Ducks and the Detroit Red Wings for the last the bottom, bottom of the barrel. Now, the Red Wings are doing some real good stuff because they only have, like, 27 points to Ottawa's 40. 
So they, they got uh, quite the jump on that. Uh, the Leafs sit in seventh in the, uh, in the conference. So they're uh, on the inside of the playoff picture right now. And the Habs, your Habs are not much better than the Sens. And uh, I think the expectations were a little higher with them. I think injuries have decimated them, you know, without Drouin for an extended period of time. Gallagher. Without Gallagher for an extended period of time. So these guys are, you know, heavy, heavy minute guys. So I, I do think the Habs need to embrace a full rebuild. They've got young kids in the in the system that are, they need they need playing time. And uh, Ryan Poling needs to play on the second or third line, not the fourth line. They've got kids who need to play. And uh, I don't know if that's going to mean... I don't know who they can deal really. They're not that, they're not that old. You know, the only guys I could think of right now, Kovalchuk, if he keeps playing well, might draw them a, a, a second round pick. Uh, the, do they, do they consider dealing Carey Price? Is that even an option? You know, you know, he, he I haven't watched the Habs, but you made a comment at one point saying that Price, uh, uh, there was a reference of, of comparing Price to Patrick Roy when he had that like eight goal game against the Red Wings and he was, you know, they applaud him for making a save and then he goes right off and goes right to the owner and is like, this is my last game ever. So I don't know what happened or what you were talking about at that point, but it didn't sound great. Price has been frustrating. I, you know, it's fun because when you, when you see him in person, like I saw the Sens and Habs in, in person last Saturday at a front row seat to see Carey Price and you know, when you see him live, it's different than when you see him on TV. He is technically sound. He's in the right spot at the right time, but he always lets in one soft as shit goal almost every game. And the goal that he let in that game was was soft as shit. Like, it was a dribbler. I think he was screened, but, you know, that's part of it, too, is he's, he's not exactly... Uh, it isn't exactly Bobby Orr playing in front of him. Like, he's got an aging Weber and a bunch of no-name guys. So, you know, there's some there's some issues on the back end. They need to embrace a rebuild. Uh, and stop trying to band-aid this. Bergie's just trying to appease his fan base by bringing in these band-aid guys. And, you know, you might want to think about dealing Tatar, you know. Uh, They got to sort of like shit or get off the pot kind of thing when it comes to the uh, rebuild. And the Senators have to do the same thing. They've got UFAs coming up in Pajot and Borowitzki. They got to make decisions on these guys. Pajot started off well, but he might be able to bring back some picks. I mean, you got to, you got to, you got to do one or the other. You can't just sit in obscurity and hope that things are going to change, you know? Well, I think the, again, I don't want to dive too deep in because I don't have accurate uh, stats, but I'm pretty sure the Sens have quite a few picks over the next little while. So, um, you know. They're, they're in a good spot. Yeah, they're they're set up for that, and they just got to ride out uh a down year by Pajot or a year where he doesn't have a lot of help and you say, okay, well, once we start getting the pieces around, he'll bounce back and he'll do what he does. But, um, you know, the return won't be as good as, um, as if we kick, as if we keep him. So, uh, anyway, so that's, uh, that the Raptors are fourth in the East right now. They're nine and a half games back of the Bucks. Um, as you were talking, Pep, if you see me looking over my shoulder at times, cause the Raptors are playing OKC this evening so i kept putting my notes in front of me i kept putting my notes down to say like what the score was and uh, it went from like 28 point lead for the raptors and okc did a little bit of a run so now it's halftime and the raps are up 18 um still a pretty good start but it was 28 about 45 seconds ago so yeah uh but you know like you said the raps are hanging tough they're hanging tough, and uh, they've got their guys back. Siakam's been back for three games now. Marcus Gasol's back today. 
mm-hmm. and Powell came back a couple of games ago. So, you know, they're, they've got their horses back and, you know, the, it'll take a week. They'll probably, this will lead them up to the all-star break. They'll get some serious rest and then they're going to reload. And I can see the Raptors making uh, a small a couple of small deals and, and taking a run into this year. They've got a good enough team to make some noise. Milwaukee's Milwaukee's Milwaukee. And Ted Kumpo is just playing at, at lights out. And now he's starting to hit the long range shot. And if he starts doing that consistently, there's nobody in the league that'll be able to stop him. But, you know, uh, we'll see how it goes. Masai Ujiri, there's some interesting names floating out there. Whether he pulls a trigger on an Andre Drummond, you know, I don't. What's it going to take to get him? I don't. I wouldn't salvage the future just to get a, a guy like Drummond, who's a, a you know a thirty rebound a night guy, but he he's offensively limited. So it's going to be very interesting. I tr- I have full trust and faith in Masai Ujiri. I don't know about you, but he the guy, the man has done no wrong, and I I have faith that he'll do the right things, either keeping the team together or making us a couple of small deals. But um, they're hanging tough. They're right where they should be, actually, Brock. Yeah. Being, uh, they're right where they should be in the, in the East. Like they're, they're not the most talented, but they're certainly not the worst. Um, upper echelon. Yeah. The best, not, not quite yet. So we'll see what this team has to do. Well, who are we to question anything that, uh, Ujari does because he brought us a championship, all the moves he's made were questioned and scrutinized and we ended up with a championship. So let the man live, and- let them, let him do his thing. And the talent is deep, deep. They are deep. Terrence Davis, O'Shea Brissett, Chris Boucher. Like they've got, they're deep, man. I, uh, they've got assets, so they could pull the trigger if they want to. OG and Nunnaby, I forgot to mention him. He's also playing really well. So, yeah, go Raps, go. We'll talk more about the Raps right after the All-Star break. Things will get heated up in the East, and we'll start talking more hoops then. You bet. Uh, the rankings for all of the junior hockey teams within Canada and the U.S., I guess, came out. And the Ottawa 67s are at the top of that list, at number one right now. You pointed out they're on a pretty good winning streak. They don't have a lot of first-year players. They're making another push for uh, a birth and Memorial Cup. Have you been to any games at all? Yeah, I went to two two games. No, sorry, one game. And uh, it was, they they went down 5-1 and you know, the the place was dead and all of a sudden they stormed back. It ended up going to overtime and they ended up winning eight, seven. It was just an awesome game. Awesome atmosphere, cheap ticket. You know, I don't know more families. If you're looking for things to do, take your kids, take your family to the Ottawa 67s. It's, it's cheap. It's entertaining. It's a little bit more fast paced than the Ottawa champions were. If you took your, your family to baseball, a different sport, obviously, but uh, just a different vibe, uh, a much quicker, faster, fun game to watch. And uh, I love I love TD Place, man. It's a cute little venue, and that's where the Blackjacks are going to play their basketball. So um, happy to see it and happy to see them doing well. This is the second year in a row they've done really well, though, right? Last year they yeah. had an unexpected yeah. Last year's the one round? where they, uh, no, it was uh, they lost what? in the finals of the OHL finals, I believe. And then the OHL representative went on to the Memorial Cup, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So they, I mean, they should have won last year, but they went on such a tear. I think they, they peaked too soon almost, right? You figure? They they swept the first two series, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think they just didn't have a lot of adversity that they had to face during the year yeah. and during the playoffs that, you know, once they kind of had that, it was, uh, you know, I guess they just weren't ready for it. But anyway, I know that there's a lot of returning players too, so um, they yeah. should... You know, have that in their bank as a learning experience. There was a, I want to add one more thing to my, my headlines. 
Uh, again, nothing to go do deep in, but Zion Williamson's going to debut yes, on the 22nd of January against the Spurs. He's been out all year with a bum knee. Uh, you know, talk about him being a little bit heavy to play basketball, but we're talking not heavy fat. We're talking heavy muscle, just, but just heavy nonetheless. So we'll see how that goes. He's a young kid, you know? Uh, the the last video I've seen of him where he did in warm-ups uh, a one-step uh, jump under the legs, dunk, whatever, was and the guy's 280 pounds. Like, it's ridiculous. It, it's, it's ridiculous. If his game can be fundamentally, like, 60%, the, the kid is going to have a good career. But uh, you, you hope a kid like that, doesn't fall, you know, victim to the Greg Odens of the world and the Sam Bowie's and the, you know, the injuries that derail first round draft picks. You just, you just hope for it. But by the looks of things, he's a freak on the court and he still is. So uh, looking forward to seeing him play. Larry Fitzgerald returning for his 17th season. I'm yeah. pumped. He had a good season this year. Again, the guy just keeps his body in such good shape. Super excited for that. Um, and I think that's all I got for headlines, pal. On, on my end, I just want to make uh, make note of Larry Fitzgerald. He's one of my favorite receivers of all time. He's all right, I guess, eh? <laughs> yeah, not bad. Uh, did you hear uh, Marshawn Lynch address the media after he was done uh, his last game there? You know what? I did, and I, I didn't quite understand it. Maybe um, Do you have it? Uh, do we have this on our... Uh, we do. Here we go. Okay. Now, I done been on the other side of a retirement, and it's good when you get over there and you can do what the... F- you want to. So I tell y'all right now while y'all in it, take care of y'all bread. So when y'all done, go ahead and take care of yourself. So while y'all at it right now, take care of y'all bodies. You know what I mean? Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mentals. Cause look, we ain't lasting that long. Uh, I'm sorry. Take care of y'all chicken. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm not quite ca- sure what that means, but yeah. Take care of y'all bread. So take care of your yeah. money, take care of yeah. your health. Take care of your take chicken. Of your, your food? I I take care of my chicken. Yeah. Um, actually, I haven't. I didn't know what I honestly. I didn't know what he meant because he already <laughs> talked bread. Yeah. So bread is money, but chicken don't get it. Uh, Urban Dictionary it. Chicken is a slang term for cash money. Okay, fairly so take care inter- of more money. Fairly interchangeable with dough and moolah and that kind of stuff. Um, okay. That being said. Yeah, I sent a picture to him to see if I was right or wrong. I didn't know. Uh, That will be the um, episode picture for this one. You guys can tell me whether or not I was on on uh, on point. Anyway, that's uh, that. I think is it for headlines. I I didn't hate it. Hate what? I didn't. I didn't hate his that talk. I. I, You know, it's it's his. That's how he articulates. It's um, it's cool. It's different. It's he's cool, man. He's cool. You? Yeah. What point? Like, don't look at me like I'm saying I hate it. I just didn't get the chicken part. <laughs> I like chicken. I take care of chicken. If you put chicken in front of me, I will take care of it. In a heartbeat, I'll take care of it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I didn't hate his speech whatsoever. The fact that he's addressing the media, addressing all, basically he's talking to all the players in the NFL currently. He has that rare opportunity where he had retired and then came back for a short stint to make a playoff run and played pretty well for a guy his age and for a guy who's been out of the game and for a guy who, you know, is probably up a few pounds, played well in a position like a running back. And he's just telling them, hey, 
Just take yeah. care of your stuff. So the yeah. NFL needs the older guys to lead the younger ones and help them. The NFL will give them tools and stuff. That's fine. But you need your... Um, you need people to lead by example. And I think yeah. Lynch is doing that. He does a lot of... Uh, um, you know, free camps and uh, for underprivileged children. And he goes around the world because he comes to Ottawa. He goes through the states. Um, anyway, he's doing the right things. Marshawn Lynch is a good example of what you should do and how you should act from a, a, a retired professional football player. While yeah. he was playing, his interviews were not the greatest, and he was, you know, putting his foot down to a certain degree. But since then, I think anyway. I just uh, to be contra- to be contractually obligated to talk all the time, uh, you know. I don't. I don't think anyone should be forced to talk about something, especially in the heat of the moment, right after a football game when you've let's say you've lost a big game or something like that, and they put him on the on the spot, and he's not comfortable with it. So, you know, if you go to any workplace and and uh, one of the employees is not comfortable giving uh, a public talk, they're not going to be the first person that the boss gets to talk. You know, you got to work with your skills and you got to work with people. So to put them on the spot like that, I commend them for saying, you know what? Screw you. I don't want to talk. I don't know. What do you want me to say? We lost. I fumbled. Like you, you saw the game. So good That's for right. him. Yeah. All right. We're going to go to a break. I'm just here. So don't get fined. Oh, that's right. It was National Championship Game, Monday, January 13th. One of the most exciting days for me. I love it. It's college football, the pinnacle of college football. It's on a Monday night, though, which kind of sucks. So as much as it's tradition, and I love having it, you know, something to do on a Monday night, when I'm like, oh, where's everybody watching the game? And it was like, oh, it's Monday night. Like, I got to work Tuesday and Anyway, yada, yada. The game itself, awesome. It was LSU versus Clemson, number one versus number three officially. Um, did you watch the game? Let me just ask you that. Did you watch uh, the game? Uh, no, I. you know what? I didn't because I had my own basketball game in my men's league. Uh, by the time I got home, it was about 10.45, and it was 28-24 for LSU and then I I went up to grab a shower when I came back down it was 35 24 and I it was it just seemed like the air had was just blow you know taken out of the sails of the Clemson offense and that was it but I didn't watch much of the game no so I uh you know no I didn't well um you missed quite the show so obviously I'm going to watch it anyway it's college football um it it's it's LSU it's an SEC team it's Clemson, the reigning champion. It's Joe Burrows, the uh, transfer from Ohio State who had a mediocre year last year to this year coming in with a wicked hot start. Uh, never never cooled down. Had a whole hot season. Won the Heisman. They went undefeated. They're in the national championship game. Hits his last game versus Trevor Lawrence, who's in his sophomore seasons, very highly touted out of high school, um, had not lost a game in college yet. That was 25 in a row. So they won the championship last year. They went undefeated, won it. They went undefeated this year. 
and you know Dabo Sweeney versus uh, uh, Coach Orgeron. What like it was just it was epic. Like it was really had a real good feel to it. It's in New Orleans, so it was kind of a home team uh, for LSU, home game for LSU. Um, I just I was watching the game, and, I, and maybe it's the the bands for the teams and. Um, I don't know, maybe just such a an even split between fans. And by even, I mean it's probably a 60-40 for LSU, but it just seemed like the noise never stopped. And it just added to the excitement. And I kept thinking, I'm like, is the Super Bowl like that? Is it really like that? Because I never see it as that. But I'm like, is the Super Bowl like that? And I don't think it is. And it's just no. because I think there's – it's so expensive. I'm not that it's not expensive to go to these games either, but I just think it's out of the um, price range of the the actual fans, and it's more of a spectacle just to be there. Where the college game still has um, large student uh, presence because the, each school is allotted so many tickets. Um, so it really, I think the, the fans are there for their team as opposed to Super Bowl. It's more of, I just want to go to the Super Bowl. Um, and I think that's where that differs. Uh, Hey, you missed Joe Burrow's a slow start. LSU started off slow. They were pinned deep, you know, a couple of times. I'm not going to get into a whole game narrative, but let me just put it this way. These are two, this is arguably the, the number one quarterback this year and the number one quarterback next year in the drafts, Joe uh, sorry, we'll say Trevor Lawrence went 18 for 37 for 234. No touchdowns. He ran for 49 yards. To be honest, this is probably one of the the worst games I'd seen Lawrence play in terms of the ball throwing from out of his hand. There's He is normally very accurate, very consistent, and some of the balls he was throwing were just not there, and it kind of showed his sophomore age. Joe Burrow, on the other hand, you know, big dick Joe. Right, he's got a hat that says that. Like, th- there's some swagger now to him. Uh, but the guy went 31 for 49, 463 yards, five touchdowns, and ran one in. Then also had 14 rushes for 58 yards. Like, that's insane. Yeah, and then I, saw, this- I mean, I saw some of the. I, I saw the stat line, and I certainly saw the 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 10 minutes I watched or five minutes I watched. I saw him make two plays where he improvised. Uh, one was a one was a rollout where he got pressure and he he just he had the presence of mind to almost shuffle pass it to I, I think was a tight end or a running back and you know the commentators both and it wasn't a spectacular play in terms of like oohs and ahs but both commentators were just like you don't coach that like it's he right. had it's like a sixth sense right so he made some great plays uh, he's look he's going to the Bengals so I hope he uh, I hope he's ready for the pros. Or I hope he, he he's ready to get drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, and if they retain AJ Green, I mean that could be like, <laughs> what, what better way to start your your pro career than to be able to throw to AJ Green? So, you know, he was uh, who was his who was the big weapon on LSU? Who were his two? Did he have one or two guys that he could throw to, or is it just a, a embarrassment of riches? It's an embarrassment of riches, but in this game, his go-to was Chase, the receiver number one. He's only a sophomore, but he didn't he declare? No, he's a sophomore. He can't. Jefferson has declared. So Jefferson, who was the receiver number two, he's declared. He went nine catches for 106 yards. Uh, Randy Moss's kid went five. He's a tight end, technically. He went five for 36 with two touchdowns. He has not declared yet, but he's he's still on the bubble. But the other guy was Chase. 
number one. He's a sophomore. He went nine catches for 221 and two touchdowns, and he missed a touchdown late in the game where he would have loved to have had it back because he should have had it, but he was untouchable, and he's only a sophomore. And then the other guys are uh, Edward Hilaire, who's the running back for LSU. He went 16 times for 110, uh, had five receptions for 54. He's like a little muscle hamster. He's like Doug Martin out there, like very shifty but powerful. Um, on the Clemson side, though, Etienne, I think, is is coming out. He's decided to come out, and this kid is very explosive. He's the running back. He went 15 for 78 and one touchdown, five receptions for 36 yards, but in all honesty, I would have loved to have seen him pump the ball to him because he's just that kind of player where you need to get it to him. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who all comes out because there's a couple other guys uh, on both teams that are, are looking to declare. Um, the discussion comes down to, you know, Chase Young, who's the defensive end for Ohio State? Yeah. So he's out, like out of, coming out. So... The argument is, do you go with a, a Chase Young, who is arguably one of the best defensive players to ever come out um, and ever play the college game from a rush end standpoint? Uh, he's a difference maker. Do you take a guy like that over a, or a Joe Burrows at number one? I guess it's an, I guess it's on a needs basis. I mean, uh, the Bengals, the Bengals, in all honesty, could. I mean, unless they're going to stick with Andy Dalton, which I think they should. I just don't see it happening with that fan base clamoring for Joe Burrow, but you know, they need an offense and a defensive captain and most teams have one or the other. Um, Bengals are one of the teams that need both along with Miami. So, you know, it could be, could be tough. That's a tough decision, but it depends on the coach's philosophy too. Do you have a defensive coach or do you have a guy that just wants to wing it? I don't know. Um, that I'm, I'm not a GM. I'm glad I'm not, <laughs> you know, I would be more of a, I think I'd be better suited as a, uh, uh, somebody to give advice, but I wouldn't want to be an NFL GM <laughs> picking first or second this year. I'll tell you that right now, yeah. or maybe I would, cause you're guaranteed a superstar. So, Hey, if I was yeah. a GM, then last year's draft would have been completely different, but that's just me. Uh, wow. all right. So that's basically the game it, that wrapped up the season. My favorite season of the year is over. Um, I did watch the game. Like I said, from start to finish, I, uh, I started wagering on it. And I uh, put the I don't, I'm not a big better. I usually bet five, ten bucks, but I bet two or three games and the odds are better. And anyway, I put on uh, 40 bucks on LSU to win cover five. And uh, I also then put another 40 on the over. Curtis followed suit, and put 40 on LSU because he trusted me. So there was extra pressure there. I was like, oh, my goodness, they hopefully they win. So LSU covers no problem. The over under is 66 and a half. It finishes 67. And at the time, I was complaining that uh, Clemson went for two, and I was like, damn it, they're going to not cover the five points now. But if they didn't go for the two and get it, I wouldn't have covered the over. Anyway, um, sports betting is kind of fun it, uh, if you um, win. You, uh, your brother and I have had some uh, – we've commiserated on a couple of successful NBA nights. Uh, I, I believe I'm 12 for 12, and uh, I made your brother like a cool 70 last night. Why am I not on this list? Because Poop has tried to give me hockey, brother. and that's not working. So you talk to your brother. Bas- well, no. We're friends, too. You could freaking CC me on that. <laughs> All right. I also forgot a fun fact that uh, this day, back in 1892, 
the first rules of basketball were published in the magazine called Triangle, the Triangle Magazine, <laughs> and it was published by our own very own James Naismith. That was January 15th, 1892. So the sport you love got to start today. That's pretty cool. Hey. Uh, and I'm glad we're not used in peach baskets anymore and uh, or a basketball that looks like a fat football. Um, the game has definitely <laughs> evolved. Anyway. Uh, okay. So um, let's take a break, and then I got uh, something when I come back. Sounds good. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Okay, so I uh, thought I didn't. I thought I had a soundbite for this uh, new segment that I was going to do, but uh, I don't yet. So we're gonna we're gonna go to the NFL stuff first, and then we'll finish with that segment and go. So the NFL, I like it. Divisional round was last week. The Titans beat the Ravens. That was the biggest. That was the upset, which you and I kind of called. I. Dissected. I said exactly how they're supposed to win. They did exactly that. And then on Facebook, I still put down the Ravens. Yeah, see, so did I. And we both we both assumed, we, we thought it's possible that the Ravens are going to be rusty a bye week plus a week where they had nothing to play for, whereas the Titans have been playing playoff football for four or five weeks, Reminiscent of the 2005 Steelers who played on the road and won the Super Bowl in, in 2005. They look very similar. They play hard defense. They run the ball. No frills in your face. Road warrior type mentality. And they went in and, and uh, they kicked the Ravens ass. And this this loss may seem like, well, you know, Lamar Jackson's young and he still has some learning to do. This loss could unravel all the progress that the Ravens have made in terms of cultivating this offense to to uh to be uh geared towards jackson's strengths now what it didn't work do they go back to the drawing board and say okay what do we have to work on with lamar jackson do other teams now say hey we were gonna do this but now we're not like this could change the way people draft the way people what who they hire for their offensive coordinators like this this loss i thought had has a trickle-down effect that goes way beyond just the Ravens not making the, the conference finals. What do you think about that? Uh, that is a very, very interesting take on it. And not one that actually I thought about before. So I th- honestly, I think there's so many positives from what they're doing that I just think they need to add a few more wrinkles to it. Like I just it didn't feel like the Ravens had more options to bring out in a situation where they're down and they need to change things up. They didn't have those options where I think a lot of teams, the good teams will have they'll run like if you look at again, I'll use college as a, as a, an example, but uh, well no, let's just go to the Patriots. You know, the Patriots, let's say last year when they're uh, making their runs, their defense ran predominantly uh, man coverage. That's what they would do is like, I think it was 80 to 85% of the time they ran a man scheme. And then when they got to the Super Bowl or at least the conference finals, when they got into the nitty gritty, when it counted, 
they flipped the script. They ran 85% zone. So that's attributed to the coaching staff and the forward thinking of understanding, say, hey, it's not always going to work. If it works, fine, we keep it. But if it's not, and some other team has come out, because that's how it works, is if you do something really well, you're running with it until a team can stop you. So all the other teams are scheming to stop you. Once they stop you, if you don't have the ability to shift gears and change what you're doing in order to combat what they're doing to stop your original plan, then you failed. And I just felt like the, the, the Ravens didn't have that plan B to go to. And I don't know if that's a limitation in terms of um, what Lamar Jackson can bring to the table. But they just didn't have that. I also thought that I would have liked to have seen Lamar run more. Like, it just seemed like he wasn't comfortable. He didn't have the timing down. Uh, but he wasn't running a split second earlier than he should have, where I think he would have had a lot more open lanes. Like, basically, if you're not getting it done throwing the ball and you can't make those reads or it's not happening, you are too good of an athlete to sit back there and get pressure and sacked. You got to take off. Like, put them on your shoulders and just say, you know what? I'm going to wheel my way through this, and then we'll figure it out next week. But yeah, he has that ability. Like, he has ridiculous speed. It's unreal. Like, even when he drops back, I watch him drop back, and most quarterbacks drop back, and if they're hitching or looking at second or third reads, they're, like, hopping on their toes, right? Because they got to keep moving. He goes back there, and it's almost like he's a statue because he can, because he's so freaking explosive that when he goes to move, he doesn't have to have, like, that quick feet, be on your toes so I can react. It's just, bam, all of a sudden he's almost full speed and he's out of the way. Anyway, it's phenomenal to see from an athletic standpoint, but I think they just need to have, uh, put some more into their, um, more tools in their toolbox is kind of how we say when we're coaching kids. Have more tools in your toolbox. Maybe you don't use them. Maybe you don't use them all season, but that one time where you need a certain tool, you got to have it in your box. That uh, didn't sound good. And it's funny, we talked about... We we've been talking about uh, a loser. We've been talking about the loser for about the last five minutes, and uh, not much mentioned about the Titans. I think that's the way they like it, man. They like to stay under the radar. But to to finish off my thought on the on the Ravens, I think they just you know I don't think they they had enough at wide receiver. When you rely on uh, deception and play action, but everything's going to your tight ends, you know you played almost to the t- Titans' strength, which is right up the middle. You know, they've yeah. got linebackers that can cover. They've got the front line that can get at you. It's confusing. And they have Adoree Jackson and Logan Ryan playing the, playing the edges, uh, playing the, uh, sorry, the uh, cornerback position. They've got guys that fell into the Ravens' strengths, and uh, they were able to cover them. And I'll tell you, you know, they couldn't adjust. And uh, is it Hollywood Brown who's their main receiver in, in uh, Baltimore? Is that who he is? Yeah. Yeah. Marquise Brown. Brown, you know, yeah. I just don't think they had enough on the on the on the outside to be able to withstand a team that could. Hey, listen, we're gonna take away everybody now. You got to you got to throw it, and they weren't able to. So, congratulations to Tennessee scheme. Um, you know, Greg Roman was not able to adjust for for Baltimore as the offensive coordinator, and uh, you know, Tennessee did what they did. Man, Tannehill. I don't even think he had a hundred yards again. I think no, he, he didn't. Derrick Henry ran for one ninety five. Yeah, Henry ran for 195, and uh, Tannehill threw for 88. 
wild. But he threw for two touchdowns wild and stuff. ran what in, you know? So it's a, from a, a statistical standpoint, it's not even close, but they just couldn't put it in. So, yeah, kudos to the Titans defense. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see the Titans go a little bit further. I don't want to see them win the Super Bowl because I think uh, uh, Vrabic, uh, no, Vrabel said that he was going to cut off his manhood if they won the Super Bowl or he would cut off his manhood to win the Super yes. Bowl. Anyway. Yes. That's a little far. But uh, I guess his argument is that uh, if you've been married 20 years, I don't need it anymore. So. His uh, wife might. Well, she I, seemed to be okay with it. Speaking of wild stuff, did you watch the Texans Chiefs? Um, yeah. And, uh, we'll just stay in the AFC here while we're here. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, uh, that's the other game that everybody was watching. That's a game that is, you know, was basically the, it was tale of two stories or whatever you want to call it. That's not even the saying, and I'll add that to mistakes, but tale of two cities, whatever. Houston came out. Sure. Two halves. It's two halves. It's not even two halves. It's, it's, it's a one quarter and three quarters because Kansas city was winning at halftime. So it can't even be half. But if you go up 24 nothing on Kansas City, you know, you must have been watching and saying, you know, oh, maybe they're just as rusty as Baltimore. You say, oh, well, here we go. Kansas City is a different beast. You know what Andy Reid does? Andy Reid has plan A, plan B, plan C, and probably plan D. So there is no stopping that offense. They, they were down 24-zip and... Te- the Houston Texans kicked off, and it, uh, the I can't remember who returned it. it Might have been Mark Cole. I can't remember his name is. The guy, he's a he's a speedster. Anyway, he brought the ball back to I think it was like the Texans thirty off a kickoff, and two plays later, Kansas City was in the end zone twenty four seven. The next possession, Houston tries a friggin' uh, actually the guy muffed the punt or it uh, he muffed a kickoff. Kansas City comes back in, they score again, and then the third one. The Texans go for a fake punt. Mm-hmm. And and on top of that, it was so poorly executed because the guy who was who was to receive the snap was was going back and forth across the line of scrimmage, but he was doing it. You're supposed to, when you run a fake punt, Brock, you know this. It's supposed to be fairly quick, so the defense has no time to really react or adjust. The Texans took their sweet time, basically gave the Chiefs gave it away. Because the guy was just going back and forth, and then they, he gets the snap, and they make the tackle be behind the line of scrimmage. Boom! That was game changing. Because that that guy that made the tackle there, forty nine, I think his number. I can't remember his Sorensen. name. Sorensen. Sorensen saved it because you get past him, there was nobody there. He was literally yeah. the only person to make that play, and that was, was a great play. That was the TSN turning point. Shout out to TSN. And- and the rest was history. I mean, Chelsea. Kelsey had a phenomenal game. Ugh. Absolutely phenomenal game. And I took George Kittle in my fantasy over Kelsey. Yeah. Speaking of fantasy, you dropped a lot. I picked Kittles over yeah. Kelsey as well because I was like, I'll save Kelsey. Kelsey went 10 for 134 and three touchdowns. He was questionable. Got hurt and still came back in. Pulled a little hammy, a little tweaked it. Still came in and made some more plays. Like, guy's a machine. I'm going to play him this week. and He's going to go against Tennessee's defense. He's going to get nothing. So it is what it is. I'm going to lose that. <laughs> but, yeah, kudos for Kansas City. Uh, they're moving on to play the Titans. Uh, you think the Titans have a shot in that game? Uh, I do. I do. Anytime you can run the ball and play defense, yeah, you're going to be in it. Uh, but I just don't think, I, you know, unlike the teams they played in the last two rounds, you got to go blow for blow with Kansas City, and you're not going to be able to. I, I think Kansas City is going to be able to score enough points to uh, put pressure on Tannehill to throw the ball. And that's where I think he's going to get in trouble. 
Uh, depends if the, if uh, Chris Jones is playing though. Chris Jones was out for the uh, the Chiefs, and there was a lot of a lot of room to run uh, for um, Henry uh, Carlos Hyde. Oh yeah, the well, last Henry's going to be he, taking he, advantage of that. They were running the ball pretty well, and they took advantage of that. So if he's unable to play, that could be trouble for for. <laughs> For Kansas City. Anyway, did we'll you see, see uh, before Tennessee played Baltimore? You have to find the clip. I have to send it to you. Um, Earl Thomas said, um, "Nobody." It looked like nobody wanted to tackle Derrick Henry, and that's going to be very different when he comes to Baltimore. Oh, and then really? There's, there, there's <laughs> a clip of Henry going down the sidelines, and Earl Thomas coming to make a. Make a a tackle and the caption was like when you get stiff arms so hard that you become the lead blocker like he literally stiff arms <laughs> earl thomas spins him around and then he has his back and pushes him and now he's like the lead blocker for for henry going down the sidelines uh it had me in tears and i must have watched it about 50 times like just how there's it a out. simpsons there's a simpsons episode where nelson plays football and he uses bart as the lead blocker and he's kind of like i think that's <laughs> what you're referring to yeah he it's amazing he's a low man. He's an absolute load. So, um, yes, I do think Tennessee has a chance to. I think they'll win, though. No, I think Kansas City is going to score enough points, and Andy Reid's going to get to the Super Bowl again. I'm I'm rooting for them hard, man. Um, what about the what about the uh, the games in the uh, NFCB? Oh, actually, I want to know. Well, sorry, before we do that, what's your take, dude? Do you think Tennessee has a chance? Do you think they'll win? Uh, you know what? Like, I'd be dumb to say if Tennessee didn't have a chance. Um, again, it comes down to you know what? It's riding Derrick Henry. Um, through the end. So if their ride defense him. can come in and make a turnover or two and ride Derrick Henry, ride him. then I think they have a chance because it's the same thing. It's not Lamar Jackson, but it's Mahomes and all of his weapons. The best defense is to keep them on the sidelines. So if they can establish that, and kudos to the Tennessee offensive line because they have been playing lights out. And if that yeah. continues, Tennessee always has a shot. And depending on weather, you never know what it's going to be like in, in KC. Um, you know, Tennessee would love for it to be snowing and just have Henry run right through them. But uh, I really, I think Houston woke up a bit of a beast in Kansas City with that whole 24 nothing lead um, where they really said, you know what, it's, time, it's, it's game time. Like, they were challenged. It's almost like finally they had a challenge. And, uh, I mean, you put up 51 points in three quarters. Uh, you're down 24 nothing in the first half, and, and to be leading at halftime, like, it's insane how well that offense was moving, and I just think that it's going to be extremely tough for the Titans to keep up. Uh, but the, that, that doesn't mean there's no chance. The Titans, if they can do what the Buffalo Bills couldn't do, Back in 1990, the, uh, the New York football giants were playing the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. And when you went on paper, talent-wise, there was no match. No match. Uh, Jeff Hostetler, O.J. Anderson, who was like 40 at the time, you know, nobody gave them a chance. But they did exactly what you suggested. They kept Buffalo's offense. The time of possession in that Super Bowl was like, uh, it was like half. Mm. I think Buffalo had the ball for for. 40 minutes and, and uh, sorry, uh, New York had the ball for 40 minutes and Buffalo had it for 20 or something ridiculous. It was crazy. If Tennessee can somehow get one or two stops and control the line of scrimmage, limit Kansas city's possessions, they have a shot. If they allow Kansas city to go up and down the field and they have to go blow for blow with them, 
it's there's no chance in hell they're gonna have to pass and I, I, they don't have enough so yeah I agree I just I think Andy Reid is actually going to be the difference maker in it I think me uh, too the Tennessee defense we're going to throw them some stuff at them because they're very yeah. well coached defensively but I think they're not going to be as stumped as the Ravens were and Andy Reid yeah. will be able to have something he's seen it all so I think uh, Mahomes is smart enough to to execute what needs to be done uh, but ultimately uh, it's going to come down to coaching all right, uh, NFC, um, Green Bay squeaked out past Seattle. That game put me to sleep. Yeah, I didn't uh, watch a lot of it, except I had uh, Adams going, and I was I picked up DK Metcalf to see what he would do and wasn't overly impressive. And the other one was the uh, Minnesota and Niners, which, again, was equally as unentertaining in my books. Um, but that leads to a 49ers-Green Bay conference final what are your thoughts on that i, I think the 49ers will, will have enough defense they they'll get be able to get to the passer with bosa and that young flying defense and the great secondary richard sherman still to me is one of the best cornerbacks in the nfl he'll be able to shut down Devonte adams or at least contain him and then what then what does aaron Rodgers have to throw to so i think aaron Rodgers is going to have a hard time uh Although I was pretty impressed with the Packers pass rush. I, I knew Preston Smith, um, the, the two Smith guys that they picked mm-hmm. up in the offseason. I know that they're I knew that they were good, but they really do get to the passer. They made life pretty miserable for Russell Wilson. So but I, I just don't I'm, think the Packers have enough. I, I like what uh, San Francisco does on offense. So I'm going to go. With, I think the Niners will win. Nostalgically, I, I want to see the Packers and Chiefs in the in the Super Bowl just because it's the hundredth year anniversary of the NFL and Super Bowl one was the Packers versus the Chiefs. So from that perspective, it'd be kind of cool. But I think the Niners will take this. Um, Minnesota uh, did just didn't bring enough to the table diversity wise uh, playing against uh, San Francisco. Kevin Stefanski, their offensive coordinator, is now the new coach in Cleveland. Good luck with that, boys. You think Stefan Diggs <laughs> and Thielen complaining about not getting passes was hard? <laughs> Try dealing with Odell, Odell Beckham and uh, Jarvis Landry. Have fun. So, yeah. well, I don't know. That was a peculiar signing. Uh, Stefanski today in the paper said he had to uh, convince his kids to move to Ohio by promising them a dog and a trip to Disney World. So that's all you need to know about the state of Ohio. And uh, I'm, I'm way off topic. I, that's how boring the NFC was for me. This The, the games yeah. were not very close. So I, I think um, San Fran will beat Green Bay. You? Uh, you know what? The Green Bay looked pretty good. I just don't think the Vikings were much of a challenge. I don't think any offense with Cousins is really that big of a um, a threat. Uh, I, think, I think the Packers put up a fight. And I think that... You know, at some point, I feel like San Francisco's bubble is going to burst, but it's all going to come down to whether or not Green Bay can contain the run while still putting pressure on uh, Jimmy G. And then the other side is, can the offensive line for the Packers give Rodgers that time he needs to pull him apart? Because Rodgers doesn't care who he's throwing to. If the guy can catch the ball, Rodgers is going to get him the ball. But it's going to be sort of a Bakhtiara on Bosa type matchup where we got to see, can one of the most elite pass protectors um, you know, take out one of the elite rushers. And it's the same thing when you look at from a 49 standpoint. It's uh, Staley against uh, one of the Smiths. So you got to – that's where it's won or lost. It's in the trenches. So whose old line is going to be better? Hey, I, I got to tell you, I think uh, I think the Green Bay O-line is overrated. 
And I think I think San Francisco is going to make life pretty hellacious for Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. And I also think if I had to choose between a coach, I'm taking uh, Junior Shanahan over Lafleur every day of the week. So I'm going with the Niners. All right. So uh, so you got KC and the Niners. You got both favorites. KC's favored by seven. Niners by seven and a half. What's I your do. score? I, my heart wants Green Bay, but my my mind tells me San Francisco. So what are you, you going to give us a score? Give us the scores of what your predictions are. For, okay, well, I'll give Kansas City a uh, 28 to 18 win over Tennessee. And uh, I think the Niners will be like a 24 to 16 win over Green Bay. Interesting. All right. I got uh, KC 38, Tennessee 21. Oh, lots of points. There's a lot of snow in the forecast. And uh, Green Bay 26, Niners 20. Ooh, okay. That's what I'm going All with. Right. Uh, speaking of Odell, I forgot to bring that up after the national championship game. Odell Beckham Jr. was on the field, an LSU alumni, very proud LSU alumni, very wealthy LSU alumni, was walking around, and he was taking big wads, counting up big wads of cash, and doing the old greasy handshake with some of the LSU players. I don't know if you saw that or not. There was rumor it that it was... Um, that it was fake money, uh, but uh, Big Dick Joe says no, it was real money, and I personally very much enjoyed it, and I think that provided those players that he's given the money to are now done, I don't think there's any anything the league should do, anything the team should no. do. No, and if they do shed light on it, it's it's really like it, you know, it's 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 pointless, it's frivolous, just. Look, they won the championship. It's, a, it's an alumni, a, a pro football player with tons of money, just doling out cash. This is there's nothing underhanded about it. There's no recruiting involved. It's nothing. Just it's a dead story. It was a fun little story to read, but it's really a non non story for me. So, well, I mean, by the rules, if it is a player who's returning next year and he's still an amateur athlete, then he cannot accept that and stuff and yada yada. But if it is, you can't uh, accept cash. Someone went up to him. If I had a wad of cash and said, "Hey, Joe Burrow, uh, wow, funny to see you here at this subway. Uh, here's a here's four hundred dollars. Can Joe Burrow get in trouble? It's a difference. You know what? Fucking NCAA needs to relax. Like it's these true. guys, that you know, they're making money off these guys' backs. Just take it easy." You know, if I'm uh, working at the local bar down the street at Colgate, the old stone jug, and somebody's paying me cash to get in, and it <laughs> happens to be thousands of dollars because he's an alumni, who's going to know? It doesn't matter. But this is on camera, yeah. so they're trying to save face. The other thing I forgot is that you didn't watch the game, so I guess you can't really say it, but I was going to ask you if you thought the LSU team this year was arguably one of the best college football teams to ever Oh, I watched the game and I watched the game in replay, and uh, they are they looked like they looked like a pro team versus uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a not a pro team. That's the only way I could explain it. The guys were professional men who were exceptionally skilled, and they looked like all guys ready for the NFL. That's the only way I could describe it. And uh, well coached, uh, they play hard, they play intense. They're some of the guys looked like they were just huge, muscly guys, men. <laughs> Huge muscly guys. You sound like my wife guys, describing men. football. Men, I know. I'm just, when, just by the eye test, just watching those guys in the field, like they look like men. They look like they hit the weight room. They're they're serious weight training. Clearly, the uh, LSU program has that uh, element to it. That they just look like men. They just out out muscled the, the guys that they were playing. So, 
There was anyway. There's uh, you know Clemson's a very good program too. I guess one of the arguments, though, just one of the things that that came up that really stood out to me um, when they were talking about LSU and arguably one of the best teams to ever play. Um, seven of the teams they played this year were ranked in the top ten when they played LSU. LSU within their schedule this year beat the winners of the ACC, so that champion, the conference champion, the Big 12 conference champion in Oklahoma, the SEC East champion, Georgia, the Orange Bowl champion, Florida, the Fiesta Bowl, Clemson, which they uh, Clemson beat Ohio State, the Sugar Bowl champion was Georgia again, the Citrus Bowl champion, Alabama, the Alamo uh, Bowl champion, Texas, the Texas Bowl champion, Texas A&M. These are all people that LSU beat this season. It's amazing. So it's remarkable. Well, look, the ten, if the Tennessee Titans beat Kansas City, they will also be the first team in the NFL to beat the number one conference. seed, the number two seed, and number three seed. It'll be yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, and yeah. the week prior, they had to beat somebody to get in. So it would have been so whoever Houston, the the yeah, fourth seed, the fourth seed. Yeah. So including that last week of the season, they would have beat all conference champions, which is crazy. Incredible. All right, Incredible. we're going to take a break, and then we're going to do the new segment and get out of here. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, so I don't have the sound bite, although I did get an email while we were doing this, that maybe the new soundbite is in there. Whether or not it's good, I don't know. But okay. the new segment is called Speed Option. <laughs> and the reason for this was that I was going to start getting uh, uh, basically rapid-fire questions for you that had, just for the, the essence of keeping time short, is giving you basically a, a 50-50 shot. So they, you'd All have right. your options of A or B, true or false, whatever. Um, that being said, this list of questions doesn't necessarily have the options, but I think they're easy enough you can get most of them. Okay. All right? Okay. So these are all basketball-related. Okay. All right? I got 10 questions. Let's just see what you get. All right. All right, first question. So normally right now I'd play the, the speed option intro and be all like hyped and maybe yes. have some background music. Anyway, not there yet. Uh, question number one: Why are the the Los Angeles Lakers called the Lakers? Do you know? Uh, they were originated in Minneapolis, and yes. there's uh, Minneapolis is famous for their lakes. The land of ten thousand lakes. Yes. What is depicted on the logo of the Golden State Warriors? Uh, the Golden the Golden Gate Bridge. Correct. I need a ding. Okay. So yes. Again, this is a fail. Yeah, air horn. I, air horn. I need works. a the air horn. I don't know what happens if, it, if you get it wrong. Anyway, all right. Who was the shortest player to win the NBA MVP? MVP? That's wow. Correct. Isaiah Thomas? No, I don't have it wrong. It's Allen Iverson. Ah. Uh, the record for the highest scoring average in a single season is by Wilt Chamberlain in 1961-62. Was his field goal percentage at 50.4 or 46.3%? 50.4. That's which is incre absolutely incredible. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, did I say field goal percentage? I meant that's points per game. Did I say that? That might have yes. been my mistakes yeah. in how many? Yeah, he averaged, he averaged 50 a game. Correct. 50 a game. 
Exactly. That year, he also had his highest free throw percentages as well. Was that either 72 or 61%? Considering how many free throws he shot, that's pretty good. Is it 61 or 72? Percent? Yeah. 72. False. 61. And apparently... Still good. Still good. And apparently the the reason it went up was because he started to shoot it like a granny style. The two Under, uh, underneath, yes. Yeah. Rick Barry taught him to shoot that. Well, good on Rick Barry. He got him to 61. Uh, did Shaq ever try that? <laughs> I don't think so. Shaq did not. <laughs> uh, who won more championships, Shaq or Kobe, or is it the same? Uh, Kobe. Bonus question, you know how many he got? Five. Right. How many did Shaq get? Four. Right on. What country is Manu Ginobili from? Oh, uh, Argentina. The record for most wins in a regular season by Golden State Warriors was? 73. Has Steph Curry ever dunked in an official basketball game? Yes, of course. Over his entire (laughs) career, any idea, a ballpark of what, uh, how many he did? How many dunks he's performed? How many dunks he's had? Uh, Maybe five? 25, actually. 25 dunks, really? You don't see much. Yeah, no, No. yeah. All the highlights are of him shooting from half court, but uh, no, the other highlight is him going in for an open dunk and slipping. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, and the uh, tenth question: What team used to be the Seattle SuperSonics? It's pretty easy. SuperSonics, the Oklahoma City Thunder. All right, that concludes our uh, first, possibly our last speed option. <laughs> 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 Uh, I just wanted to ask oh, you questions. Wow. I, I can't wait to put one together for you, pal. Uh, yeah, well, I can't live up to this. I, these are easy questions. I'm going to get harder ones for you next time. You only I got one know, wrong. I don't that easy. Come on, Ivan Iverson? I didn't know that. Well, that's the only one you got wrong. The other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and if I start giving you the ifs, uh, the A's or B's, I think you'll be fine. But um, yeah. anyway, this was a fun little quiz. It was online. I was like, ah, sure, I'll take it. And uh, nailed it, but I figured you'd do it. All right, so uh, that's basically uh, the episode. You got any last uh, stuff you want to dish out? We got a website uh, coming soon. Got a website coming up soon. Um, I got nothing really. Just uh, you know, I'm excited for the uh, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks of football and the Super Bowl, and I'm also excited for the uh, you know uh, as we round down the NCAA basketball season. March Madness will be just around the corner. And it really is a fun time because it starts uh, by the end of March Madness, it's spring and we don't have to deal with snow anymore. And so, you know, we just, let's just get us to February and, you know, once February goes, we're, we're clear sailing. So we'll have to set up a, uh, an unsportsmanlike convo bracket challenge and uh, we'll put that together. And if you, the listener uh, beat, let's say Pep, because he probably knows more than I do about basketball uh then uh, you're up for a t-shirt well i uh, want to say this too that uh, that would be a that that'd be super cool if uh, we can get a lot of per- people participating uh just on a basketball topic we, uh, we might have i don't know when we're going to solidify this guest but he's been messaging me and i wanted to get i do want to get him on we have uh, steve kenny he's the head of the referees association in, uh, in uh, ontario basketball referees and they're hurting for referees uh, just overall they're just they're lacking referees if you're interested and you want to get into refereeing um, you can contact me and I can get you in touch with Steve Kenny. There's a very, there's a little bit of training involved, but it's not much. 
and uh, it's very rewarding. You get to work with kids of all ages. Um, and, you know, some of these guys started off coaching high school, elementary, and now they're coaching university games. So if you're interested, you know, we do want to get Steve Kenny on. He, uh, he wants to, I don't know if they want to use the word debate, but he definitely wants to have a conversation with us about some of our thoughts on what we've said about referees in the past. And he's got his own thoughts. So um, we'll, we'll yeah. get him on. Well, maybe we'll meet him at the RA and figure something out then. So Steve, we're, we're, we haven't forgotten about you. The other person that uh, reached out or that I've been talking to and touched base with him for a long time is uh, Peter Worrell and see, maybe we can get the, Oh yes guy. Yeah. So uh, that could be, that would uh, be cool. Interesting. But we'll set that up. Um, all right. So we are going out. This is the song. So like I said, the website will be coming shortly. So look for that uh, official release at some point. Obviously, we want feedback and what else we can put on the site. Uh, but we're looking for one spot uh, for everybody to go to. Uh, we are going out to uh, the only song that I think The Rock has sung officially. So and uh, I was looking for the something. Only one song, yeah. Yeah. So we're going out to that in honor of uh, his father passing and something he can... Tribute to. Have a great day. Till next time. Take care, folks. It's adorable. Well, it's nice to see that humans never change. Open your eyes, let's begin. Yes, it's really me, it's Maui Brilliant. I know it's a lot, the hair, the bod. When you're staring at a demigod, what can I say except you're welcome? For the tides, the sun, the sky. Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome. I'm just an ordinary demigod. Hey, what has two thumbs and pulled up the sky? When you were waddling, yay, hide this guy. When the nights got cold, who stole you fire from down below? <laughs> Looking at him, yo. Oh, also I last. So the sun, you're welcome to stretch your days and bring you fun. Also, I harness the breeze. You're welcome to fill your sails and take your trees.